Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, it is uh, week 17 of the NFL season, and finally we have reached the culmination, and we get to end as Broncos country with a, a Raiders week send-off. Uh, and, and not only that, but it's a special Raiders week send-off. The Drew train is pulling into the station to put a, a final mark on Drew Sember, and, and what uh, better way than to see Drew Locke lead his offense against a Raiders team that has to win to make the playoffs and I think that it would just be a great way for this season to end to have them lose to Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos and for those who have listened to this podcast from the beginning know how Adam and I feel about the Raiders so this is our last chance with the team playing its final game in Oakland to say fuck the Oakland Raiders. That's right. That's right. So for the last time, uh, and and hopefully for the last time ever, because that's what needs to happen. The Broncos win, and it's the last time ever uh, will you ever see them officially known as the Oakland Raiders. They will always, uh, from henceforth, be known as the Las Vegas Raiders. So they'll be playing in that uh, toilet bowl that they've created. Some people have likened it to a Roomba. Uh, and, and the NFL tried to tell us that it looked like the Death Star. Uh, what? Okay. So, bye-bye, Oakland. See you never. What's, what's fun about this game is one of the complaints that people have had about this rivalry is that it hasn't had any meaningful games since, like, the mid-'90s. Okay. You don't hear Bears and Packers fans saying that about each other. But this is actually a meaningful game because the Raiders – slim playoff hopes are still alive the first thing they have to do is win so let's just have drew lock and the drew train completely blitz the raiders just completely blitz the raiders and i i don't want vic fangio or rich scangarello to get a lead and then hold up i want the broncos to at least drop a 60 burger on the raiders for the final game ever as the oakland raiders yeah, that's the, the the most fitting ending to this little story is is that they lose, miss out on a chance to make the playoffs. In fact, the the best way that this could happen, and I know this is gonna seem, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, mean, uh, rude, almost ridiculous, um, maybe a little bit petty. Petty's probably the, the best word here. But the, the best thing that could happen here is that that not only. Uh, do the Raiders lose to the Broncos, which would eliminate them from the playoffs, but also all of the other scenarios that have to happen for them to get into the playoffs still also happen. That, to me, would be fantastic. So they have to beat the Broncos to have any chance. So if they lose to the Broncos and then, like, all other things, there's, like, four other things that have to happen, happen, that 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 would feel really good. I would enjoy so that. So those other things that have to happen is Oakland has to win and the Pittsburgh Steelers have to lose. The Tennessee Titans have to lose and the Indianapolis Colts have to win. So yes, we want the Broncos to blitz the Raiders, the Drew train to completely flatten and demolish the Raiders. But then those other three things to happen because that, as it was a couple of weeks ago, when they lost to the Jaguars in their final ever game at that Dumb. outhouse, the Oakland Coliseum, and losing the most Raiders way possible, that would be the most Raiders way send-off to lose as the Raiders, but have all those other things happen that could have gotten them into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just and, – and again, I know it sounds petty, and I know it's it's sort of like this is the – uh, th- this is the Broncos Super Bowl this year, right? This is this is what we have to play for. But quite honestly, this really is the Broncos Super Bowl, and and I'll tell you why. 
if the Broncos win this game right now, Drew Locke is three and one as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and they're up against their most hated rival to end the season with an opportunity to knock them out of the playoffs for good, to knock them out of Oakland for good, and it's an opportunity for Drew Locke to sort of cement his um, his stature. Not that he hasn't already done so, but cement himself as the clear-cut number one starter moving forward for the Denver Broncos. A big win here does a lot of different things for Broncos country. And not least of all, it, it keeps the Raiders out of the playoffs, but also it, it provides a little bit uh, a little bit more hope, a little bit more excitement moving into the 2020 season. So as 2019 draws to a close, a, a win here does several different things for Broncos country and for the Broncos themselves, which makes this game, yes, their Super Bowl, and it is incredibly important. And so that's kind of how you have to, to treat it. What's very interesting is our Taylor Koth on Thursday tweeted that with a win over the Raiders this Sunday, Drew Locke can match John Elway's Broncos franchise record of four winning games started by a rookie QB in just five games started versus Elway's 10. So as we've been saying since his first game against the Chargers, Drew Locke is better than Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a good way to say it. I definitely do. Uh, so, you know, th- this game is is for history, and there's there's a lot of history in this series. And it's one of those things that as Broncos fans, we, we talk about it all the time, um, and, and we know the, the most hated rival in, in Broncos country is the Oakland Raiders. Uh, soon to be Is lost. and always will be. Is and always will be. No matter how good the Chiefs get, no matter how good the Chargers get, the only team that will ever be the true – uh, rival of the Broncos is the Raiders. So, you know, forget about the Patriots and what they've done and forget about the rivalry with the Steelers, which you and I have talked about is probably a bigger rivalry than gets credit for. It's the Raiders. It It is the Raiders. It was the Raiders. It always will be the Raiders. It's the Raiders. And that's the other part of this that makes this game so important. Well, remember that list of Pat Bolin where it said, win Super Bowls, beat the Raiders. Two goals. Two Super Bowls. Oh, there Raiders. was three, and I I can't remember what the third one was, but it's win Super Bowls and beat the Raiders, and then the third one, which escapes me right now. It's the holiday season. I I mean, I mean yeah, it, it is and always will be the Raiders. I joked that I was born to two. I was born to do two things: root for the Broncos and hate the Raiders. Those are the two things that you that you do very well. In fact, I think you do those things better than anything else that you do. No offense. I think a lot of people would agree with that. <laughs> That's probably true. All right, so let's take a look at some of the history, though. I know you've got some 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 tidbits. You've you've uh, done that in the past. How many games have they played the Broncos and the Raiders? Just just refresh my memory. Sunday's game will be a hundred and nineteenth. That's the hundred and nineteenth game between the Broncos and the Raiders. The all time series. The Broncos are 52-64-2. At home, they're 27-29-2. In Oakland and Los Angeles, they're 25-35. And And what's maddening is the Broncos have lost the last two to the Raiders, including the season opener on Monday Night Football. And then as we before we started recording, I, I looked up how many games they played in Los Angeles, and I'm not going to get into how many but the the Raiders moved to Los Angeles in 1982 and stayed in Los Angeles until 1994 so between 82 and 84 so 12 years they played in Los Angeles and then the first game back against the Oakland Raiders was at Old Mile High Stadium in 1995 on October 16th and the Broncos won 27 to nothing Ooh, you know what that I feel like a, if circles are real, and I believe that they are, that it will all come full circle. And in their first game back as the Oakland Raiders, and their last game as the Oakland Raiders should be very similar, right? A, a, a 27 feels like a good number to me, like a 27 or or so to maybe not zero. You know, I'm not going to put that on them, but 27, I like that number. I like that number a lot. I think that's a good way to, to go out. 
I would like 67 a lot better. Sure, of course. Yes, obviously. We, we all would like 67 a lot better. But let's, you know, in a realistic world, I think 27 might be might be the way to go. In terms of this game, on Wednesday, I guess it would be Thursday, because they were off on Wednesday for Christmas, Drew Locke had an interesting he, – he said something to the media that – kind of excited me a little bit in that he said that he was asked what his plans are for the offseason and where he'll be. And he said the majority of his time is going to be spent in Denver and he's actually going to have a couple of Peyton Manning-esque camps with his receivers. I thought that was awesome to hear from Drew Locke on Thursday. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We, we, uh, we We've spent a whole season kind of I guess hemming and hawing and, and waiting and, and, and complaining. Uh, and then we finally got Drew Locke on the field. And he was, I think, better than advertised. Not only that, the way that he presents himself and the, the, the decisions that he made, it's so much different from some of the other quarterbacks who have been in Denver recently. And, and, and I think that it's important to note that when you look at Drew Locke, he reminds me. He reminds me of, of two people, really. And this is this is something that I think is funny. He really reminds me of Jay Cutler in the way that he plays his his skill set. He's he's somewhat mobile and he's got a really strong arm. That but that's about it. Attitude wise, and this is this is where I think maybe people are, are missing this. I don't think he's Brett Favre attitude wise, gunslinger, or this that or the other. I, I don't see that. To me, and and you can disagree with me and in fact I'd love to hear your take on it I think he's more mentally Aaron Rodgers I think he has this sort of air about him of confidence about his own abilities that I I see from Aaron Rodgers you know the this this way that he answers questions and sort of is able to kind of laugh at himself and tell jokes but then at the same time uh he's he's really good at saying the right thing at the right time at the right moment and and saying this is my you know I'm going to do these things so he's not Aaron Rodgers he's not Jay Cutler he's not Brett Favre he's he's Drew Locke which I think is important but those are kind of the guys that I look at skill set wise he seems to me like Jay Cutler attitude wise he's got some of that Aaron Rodgers is it arrogance is that what I'm looking for I think the, I think the word you're looking for is swag swag okay because- because I, I don't – Aaron Rodgers is a very confident guy, but it doesn't come across as – since it's already explicit, he doesn't come across as a dick a like some way. people do when they're that. arrogant. But you, you never get that sense with, with Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 what I, what I see from, from Drew Locke is I, I see a mixture of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. The way he plays – Reminds me a lot of Brett Favre, but it also reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. And I can see the attitude and the confidence and the swag of Aaron Rodgers. I don't see the Jay Cutler stuff. I Because I, I think he has the potential to be better than Jay Cutler. But I, I totally get the reference of he's 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 a Jay Cutler who cares. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think that's a good way to look at it. But I as I've said on prior podcasts, as you, as you referenced, he's Drew Locke. And I think that's what makes him such such a special rookie quarterback to come in and and play as well as he has but as i've said before and i will say again he has the attitude but the want he wants to be great i think that's what made that's what makes aaron rodgers so great is because he's had that chip on his shoulder of all those teams that made him wait in the waiting room before he was selected by the packers and the same thing, I've I've mentioned this about Drew Locke. I think he's going to have that same chip on his shoulder where he didn't get picked until the second round, where a lot of people thought he could go with a first-round pick. And there are some in the Denver media who still won't let it go that Drew Locke wasn't picked at number 10. I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt of naming him. If you want to look it up, go look it up. Yeah, you can Google it. It's on Twitter. It's there. So I, I, but it, what really excites me about Drew Locke is the fact that he wants it. He wants to be great. He wants to put in the work. He loves football, and that that 
news bit that he dropped on Thursday about staying in Denver and working with his receivers, he's going to be close to Scangarello. He's going to be at the facility. So as much as he can work and talk with TC McCartney and Rich Scangarello, which is limited over the course of the offseason until OTAs start up, that's what should excite Broncos country. And he keeps saying, yeah, I, I believe I'm the guy, but I have to keep going out and proving it. And there's no better way to keep proving it than to take the Drew train and completely demolish the Raiders and in their playoff hopes. Yeah. There is no better way to head into the offseason. Obviously, a win would be great, but to demolish the Raiders and ruin their playoff hopes and send them to Vegas on a loss on top of going four and five, winning four of your last five games with a rookie quarterback heading into the offseason – that should excite everybody in Broncos country. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I guess what we should do is we should we should preview the game because we've we've been talking about it, and uh, so and and this is our last game to preview of the season. So there's definitely um, there's there's some things to to pay attention to, and there's there's a little bit of, a little bit of sadness in this, but uh, you know we've got our players to watch. We've got you got our, we'll do our predictions, which I think we've already started to do. Um, but I, I think we should start with players to watch. I think we should roll into that because I've got a couple of good ones. You got you got one? I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. I I don't care if it's the obvious pick or not. I this is his first his first home game against the Raiders. It's the last game of the season. I was kind of disappointed that nobody in the media asked Drew Locke about playing the Raiders and what this rivalry means to him as someone who's played both the Chargers and the Chiefs in Kansas City. This is a, this is a meaningful game in this rivalry, and it at one of the as I mentioned earlier, one of the complaints about this rivalry is that there haven't been any meaningful games in this series since like the mid '90s. So this this is a meaningful game. So I I I want to see Drew Locke come out and and keep the Drew train rolling in the final the final stop of Drew Sember. Yeah, I I, I love that. Uh, I'm actually going to go with his his other rookie. Uh, offensive starter. I'm going to go with Noah Fant. I, I think that it's been uh, a, an interesting season for him. We've seen him. So his trajectory was sort of, some people were calling him a bust early on. And, and then as the season went on, he started to really perform. And his connection with Drew Locke was something that grew over time. And his skill set continued to uh, improve. And he looks like he's going to be a huge weapon for the Broncos as, as they roll into the future. I would love to see uh, I would love to see he and Drew Locke sort of make a few connections in this game and show that they have good rapport. And moving forward, uh, Noah Fant is going to be a guy that that really um, is a, a stable sort of force on this offense, along with a guy like Cortland Sutton, for example. So to me, it's kind of like I want to watch the rookies, you know, and, and sort of to continue with that, the other rookie obviously is Dalton Reisner, and I'd like to see how he does. I kind of on offense want to focus on – those rookies and how well they perform. And I'll carry this over to the defensive side of the ball. My player to watch is Draymond Jones. For those who haven't heard, he was not just the rookie, but the NFL AFC defensive player of the week for his performance against the Lions. And as I tweeted, if Draymond Jones can start putting up a consistent, uh, some consistency and playing like that on a consistent clip, it's gonna make the defense that much difficult, that much more difficult to prepare for, and stop heading into 2020. And it would help to to resign Shelby Harris, but we can get into that once the offseason starts rolling, since we'll have about two months to prepare for free agency. But I, I I'm looking at at Draymond Jones and this this rookie class for John Elway and the Broncos has been phenomenal. You mentioned Noah Fant. You mentioned Dalton Reisner. You mentioned Drew Locke. Then you have Draymond Jones. Then you have Justin Hollins. I'd like to see Juwan Winfrey get a full offseason to work with the the receiver core that he has and work with Drew Locke. Hopefully he'll get the opportunity in 2020. But there's uh, Malik Reed, who was a free agent signing, who I've seen some people reference kind of has a Shaq Barrett feel to him. So that that will be fun to watch his development, especially with Von Miller and and Bradley Chubb coming off of 
ACL repair surgery when it was reported there. He said that he's pretty sure he's going to start running next week. So his rehabilitation seems to be progressing nicely. So th- this whole rookie class has been, like I said, phenomenal. So I, I, I'm going to be looking at Draymond Jones to see if he can, if he can stack great performances on top of each other. Yeah, I love that building on building on what you did before and and getting better. I think that would be a great thing to see. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite side, and and I've kind of I've already done this once this season, and I, and uh, it it, did, it actually didn't work out for me. But this time I'm going to do it again, and I think it will. Um, I, I'm going to watch Chris Harris Jr. I think um, it's pretty obvious that he is not likely to stay in Denver after this season, and so as a as a fan of Chris Harris Jr. and someone who uh, you know, has enjoyed his time as a Denver Bronco. Obviously, Strap Harris in his prime uh, was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and helped uh, with you know help the no fly zone lead the Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl win in 2015. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch him because it's gonna be more than likely the last time that uh, we get to see him in orange and blue as uh, as a Denver Bronco. So I want to um, want to make sure that I that I pay attention to that. I and it, it it might be a little bit bittersweet. I because you never know how free agency is going to unfold. I as I've mentioned, I think Derek Wolf has a good possibility to return to Denver. I think that's what he wants to do. It's what it's what he wants to do for his career is finish it in the Mile High City as a member of the Broncos. So Chris Harris Jr. is going to be. It's going to be interesting to see what he chooses to do. And, and what the Broncos choose to do. Hopefully, we are on the verge of getting an extension for Justin Simmons. Hopefully, an extension and a re-signing of Shelby Harris. Because I I think the way he has played, he's earned it. I mean, as you mentioned on the post-game podcast for the Lions, he leads the NFL and passes defended as a defensive lineman. So I think he's going to be coming into his own. I think every member of the defense is going to be that much more confident with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel heading in to a full off season with a season under their belt. So it, it will be interesting to see what, what Elway and the front office do with, with Chris Harris and what Chris Harris jr. Does because that that's going to be one of the most interesting dynamics of the off season is what do the Broncos and what does Chris Harris jr. Do. Right. And, and I think that's part of the reason I've, I've got him as my player to watch. Cause I I'm sort of, I'm of the opinion, just based on the, the the tweets that you've seen and the interviews that he's done and the you know the the things that you've you've seen him say. It's it's uh, it looks and like, what Von Miller has said sure and, and Von and the indications from Von Miller exactly that's the other one. It just sort of has that feel, you know. It had it had that feel at the trade deadline that they were going to try and move on uh, right then and there and see what they could get for him. Uh, nothing went through. They didn't they didn't make a move. Uh, but I, I just think that the 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 scenario has played itself out to the point where he probably wants to uh, go to a place that's a little bit closer. Uh, I don't know that he's giving uh, Denver full credit for that. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't think they're as close as we think that they are. Um, but also, I think he's just sort of ready to go to a, a place where I think he fits the where I think he fits the scheme better. I think the, that's the other thing. The the Vic Fangio defensive scheme doesn't put Chris Harris Jr. in the best position to be successful. And that's that's not a knock on Vic Fangio or Chris Harris. It's just that sometimes great minds and great people don't match up. They don't fit with each other. So just because you're great doesn't mean you're going to do a great job with this other person that's great. And you could you're maybe you cancel each other out and it's just not as successful. And I think Chris Harris Jr. had some frustration this year with his role in this defense and not really feeling like he was in a position to be successful every every time. What would be interesting is to see what Chris Harris Jr. could do with a season under his belt, if that would give him confidence knowing what is what what the system is, the terminology. And I think it would also help to have Bryce Callahan back. Is that something that that is I think really hurt this defense is being on your third and fourth and even fifth string cornerbacks 
it would help to have a, a full allotment of healthy cornerbacks throughout the course of the offseason to work with and and have Fangio and Donatel and Ronaldo Hill, the defensive backs coach, work with and talk to about what is expected and where they can get better. So we'll see what happens with Chris Harris. I hope it's not his last game, but I, I think I, I'm with you in thinking that we can we can kind of see the tea leaves with where things could be heading. And the, the Lassie Barks, right? Isn't that what Cecil talked about? The Lassie Barks? Yes. Yeah. That's that, exactly as he it's, it's portrayed a good way to put it. it. Yeah, it's a good way to put that, too. So, all right. Well, players to watch got fun there at the end, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> it happens. It's all right. It's the end of the season. Uh, you know what? Can I ask you a question? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here because I, I just something popped into my head a minute ago, and I want to ask you before I forget about it. Is this the first season in a long time where you were um, – disappointed that it was the end of the season not not in the way that you know football fans are always bummed when the season is over right I think that that's sort of a a given but there's also a sense of relief from a lot of fans I think when your team is really bad you have a tendency to get to the end of the season and be happy that it's over or at least relieved that you can start looking forward to the future whereas for me I kind of wish there was two or three more weeks of this season to, to see how much further the Drew train could go, right? If if, if Drew Sember turned into uh, Locuary, I don't know, J- January Locuary, I'm just making it up. Thank God we don't have to go with something like that. Dranuary. Dranuary, sure. Or Drewnuary. Drewnuary. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Would you be excited for that? I mean, I feel like to me, I'm, I'm, I feel like we're going to, like, I'm going to be missing something. I'm I'm one of those I, I, I view, I'm excited about where the team is headed. So whether they play a couple of games after this or not, and they're not, I'm just excited to be excited again. And that's what the Broncos are doing. They're they're giving us reason to be excited again, and it's all because of Drew Locke. So I I don't need to see more games. I want to see what the what Elway and the front office does now to build on this. What do they add in free agency? What do they do in the draft, wherever they end up finishing? And I think it's just, it's exciting to be excited again. And if the season were extended, I'd be excited. But I think I'm even more excited about, if, especially if they end the season on a win, what that means for 2020 and 2021 and what this team can do. So it, it, it's exciting regardless of how many games they were to follow up with, if it were two or three. But it's I'm even more excited about what it means for the team going forward. Cool. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I just, you know, I was I was just sitting here thinking, God, I'd, I'd love it if they had two more games. Just, just want to see more. You know, I'm just – and I think that's a good thing. I think that was maybe the point I was making is that it is a good thing that – you're left wanting more that you you can see that the improvements are there and you you really want it you want to see those improvements continue so i i love where that's going you know the, the thing we did though is we did skip keys to the game so we might as well jump into that um well the first back else. a little bit it, it just it it makes you the the excitement genuine because i think over the course of the offseason, your excitement starts to build up and you start to have false hope. I think every team has false hope, especially leading into the season. Like, this is going to be the year. This is the, they have the pieces. They, they'll be able to put it all together and you start to convince yourself that it's going to happen. But what this has done in the last four weeks have done has made it genuine. It's made it real. Like you, you don't have to convince yourself. And that's one of the things about drew lock. That's been so impressive is he passes the eye test regardless of, of the stats and regardless of, of where and when he's doing things on the field. It's the eye test. It's the eye test on the field. It's the eye test off the field. So it makes the excitement genuine, which just makes it that much more exciting that it's going to build over the course of the off season to think about what he's doing and the, and the things that he's doing with his receivers and what he's talking about with his coaches. So now we can, now we'll get to keys to the game. We've, you know, we sort of traversed back there, but we'll go ahead and jump in on keys to the game. And, and I'm curious what your key is. Cause it's, 
This is an important game. So my key to the game is have a balanced offense. Utilize the running game as they did against the Lions because I think that's what really set up the entire offense. And I think that's a big part of Rich Scangarello's offense. That's a big part of Kyle Shanahan's offense. That was a big part of Mike Shanahan's offense was the running game. It it set up everything else. So utilize it. Keep running the football and then utilize play action. Then you have the run pass options. You have the bootlegs that Drew Locke has been able to be effective with. So I just want to see the offense continue to make progressions heading into 2020 as we have over the course of the last four games. That's a, a really great point. Um, I just, while you were, were talking, I wanted to, to look something up because my key to the game was uh, going to be just on the opposite side of the ball, you know, stop the run, right? Really really limit what the Raiders can do uh, with the run game and don't let them control the clock. And then I thought to myself, well, is Josh Jacobs going to be playing? I didn't know. Uh, I know that he was out last week, which is a big reason why I won my uh, fantasy football championship, uh, two of them, by the way. And so I wanted to just check and see if he was going to be in it. looks like, as of two hours ago, NFL.com uh, posted an article that says he's not expected to play, which which actually tells me that, um, yes, they do need to stop the run, but the focus then needs to shift, and it, and it needs to shift to stopping the, stopping the tight end. Uh, you know, they, they need to figure out a way to stop Darren Waller uh, and, and limit what the tight end can do because that's another way that the, the Raiders uh, kind of gashed the Broncos in that season opener. And uh, the, the the truth is the Broncos struggle with tight ends. And so it, it would be an imperative uh, to have them go ahead and put a stop to what uh, to, to what Darren Waller can do as far as on the offense goes. So I think defensively, you know, limiting Darren Waller and, and stopping the run, right? sort of limiting their plays and winning time of possession there. Did I ramble enough on that? On on defense, I just I want to see Von Miller do what he does to Tom Brady and just smack the ever-living hell out of Derek Carr the entire game. See if his mascara will run. Oh, it, it'll run. It'll run scared. That's that's the truth. You know, it's interesting and I I don't know how um how you feel about this but this season for von miller was was interesting to me and and it would really be nice to have him put an exclamation point on this season in a way that we haven't really seen in 2019 i think uh you know he he accomplished some milestones as a player in the nfl with his hundredth sack and uh things like that but also uh, a lot of questions about uh his heart a lot of questions about his drive out on the field uh some injury concerns and so He's a he's another one where I think I think you're right. A, a key to the game here will be uh, to seeing him actually you know stepping up and, and having an impact. And that's not to say that Von Miller hasn't had an impact all season because he has drawn double teams and been uh, you know sort of been the focus of most offenses when it comes to stopping uh, Denver's defense. But it just it I don't there's been an air of I don't know, uncertainty around Von Miller this season. Uh, fans love him, but you still have this feeling sometimes that, that people are not as engaged because they are um, they're, they're looking at him in, in a different way now that he's a little older. And I, I don't know what I, I would love to know your feeling on that. I think that you've seen his impact on the things that he does in the running game and the way that he attracts blockers to him and then it frees up other members of the defensive line, whether they're on the defensive line or they're, they're edge guys. So I get that the numbers haven't been there, but the impact has been there throughout the course of the entire season. And you can't overlook what he means. And I think one thing that this is going to do a, a season like this, now that he, and I, I, I hate to keep banging this drum, but he's going to have a season now where he has played in Vic Fangio's system. So he's going to know things now, and Vic Fangio is going to know Von Miller. And then you get Bradley Chubb back. I think that's going to be huge for both of them. I think they're going to be incredibly motivated. I, You know Chubb is going to be, and I think Von Miller is going to be because he knows in terms of production – the season hasn't gone as he would want, that the team would want, that Vic Fangio would want. So that's going to motivate him. And I think that's something 
when you tie into the excitement factor, it's it he can see it. He he can feel it. There there's actually a way now to get the Broncos back to where we all want them to be. So that's going to serve as a motivating factor for Von Miller. So I, I think, yes, it can be frustrating that he hasn't had the sacks, but I think that will come, especially now that he knows this system, he knows the defense, and his running mate will be back next year in Bradley Chubb. And then whatever else John Elway in the front office does over the course of the offseason to add to the defense, to make it even better. I like that. It makes sense to me. I, I, you know, just one of those things that you just sort of observe and it, it pops into your head. And I just was curious what your take was on that. Um, all right. You got a prediction for the game? I do. I'm going to go uh, 64 to 10 <laughs> Broncos. <laughs> love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I actually, um, I, I, I like that. Uh, the number I'm going with, and, and you can check the timestamp on this because I put my prediction into game balls uh, way before you and I had that conversation about numbers. 27 to 13 was what I predicted uh, that the end of this game was going to be. The Broncos are going to win this game 27 to 13. Anytime they score more than 23 points, they're going to win. I think they score 27. I think that's a ball game. So uh, I do think they go out like a winner, and I, and, I, and I think that it sort of comes full circle there. All right, so we'll go ahead and uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL 100, which Ian and I generally uh, dismiss, and then we will do our whip around the league and look at some playoff scenarios and see who we want to watch this week. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to jump into the NFL 100. And, and like I said before the break, uh, we have a tendency to avoid – conversations about this and, and and i'll give you a couple of pretty obvious reasons uh shannon sharp being snubbed for the tight ends obviously why are we even paying attention to this uh perhaps the greatest tight end in the history of the game when he retired and he doesn't even get he doesn't even get on the, the fine i mean anyway uh and then steve atwater completely left off the list for defensive backs like he wasn't even a nominee yeah wasn't even a nominee wasn't even considered so champ bailey not on the list it's it's champ bailey is one of the greatest cornerbacks ever any era any era yeah i would argue that champ bailey is better than Deion sanders because champ bailey actually tackled well yeah he was he wasn't afraid to get dirty that's i mean that's the key right there and i would agree with you and and it's 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 just a typical it's, it's the same problems that we have with the pro football hall of fame right denver gets overlooked the the broncos have great teams and great players but for whatever reason uh, they don't get any of the accolades. They don't get any of the uh, the credit for those things. And instead, you have players uh, that make these lists that played for teams that won zero games uh, and had no impact on the league whatsoever and never went to a, a Super Bowl, never won a championship, yet they still make the list. And it, it just it, it's frustrating. So we have a tendency to avoid talking about this because it, I just I see it as pointless. But we are going to talk about this one, right? Well, and there's actually a player that wasn't included as a nominee either, and he's the greatest NFL playoff running back in history in Terrell Davis. There is no running back who is better in the playoffs in the history of the National Football League than Terrell Davis, and he's not even a nominee. I mean, it's it it is a constant. It's it's constant, and and I know the NFL puts these lists together so that guys like us will have conversations and people will tweet about it and it raises mentions and it, and it gets viewers and, and clicks and all those things that, that drive revenue, which is fine. And I understand why they do it, but it, it angers entire fan bases. And I'm sure that the Denver Broncos fan base isn't the only fan base that feels slighted in these things. But I, I would argue that uh, the Denver Broncos fan base Broncos country uh, is the most justified in their uh, vitriol towards these things because the just because of how slighted they have been. I mean, and again, it goes back to just look at how many Kansas City Chiefs are in the, in the Hall of Fame. How many Super Bowls have they won, right? And look at how many Kansas City Chiefs there are versus Denver Broncos, and then what have the Kansas City Chiefs done in the past fifty years? And I would argue that nothing is the right answer there. So, uh, it, it, it and that's just one team that I'm using as a reference point. There are several others that we could go into uh, and, and talk about. And so the same thing applies to this NFL 100. But they are getting to the quarterbacks now. And and this is one where I think we as fans feel pretty confident 
right? Pretty confident that uh, I at, don't. at least one Denver Bronco will be represented on this yes. top 10, right? But At least one. But the concern is... And not the one is, who should be. It will be the wrong Denver Bronco, right? Obviously, I think both of them should be on it. Of course. But I, I, I think Peyton Manning is a lock. I, I think everyone listening to this knows it. And it'll be announced later on Friday night on NFL Network. So by the time this podcast runs on Saturday morning, the list will have been announced. At this point, two have already been named as members of the team, Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Peyton Manning is a lock to make this team. There should be another one because we both feel he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And like has happened with Shannon Sharp and Gary Zimmerman and Champ Bailey, he's going to be overlooked. As you have said repeatedly over the course of us doing this over 20 years and it's now being recorded, if you put John Elway in San Francisco, the San Francisco 49ers win at least eight or nine Super Bowls. You put Joe Montana in Denver with those teams and that coach, they don't make it to any Super Bowls. John Elway should be on this list, and if he is not, as Andrew Mason tweeted out, someone should find a copy of the list and do to it as Lou Brown did to Roger Dorn's contract in Major League. And I'm not going to tell you what happened. If you haven't seen the movie, Google Lou Brown, Roger Dorn's contract. Yeah, Google it. It's it's funny. It's worth the watch. And, and, and you can exactly probably what tell what happens. Every Broncos fan should do if John Elway does not make this list. It would be it would be I think it would be the biggest snub of the entire list. And and I'm including Shannon Sharp in that, which I as of right now think that is the biggest snub on the entire list. Although you could probably argue uh, you know, not having Terrell Owens or uh, Calvin Johnson on the wide receivers list was a, was a pretty big snub. But this With is Danian Tomlinson uh, as a running back. I mean, there there were some big snubs on this list. That is, for I, sure. I mean, we we mentioned this earlier, and this isn't to rip on the old man, but th- all this is is an okay boomer list. That's all it is. Oh, I'm traveling back to the '40s. Okay, boomer. I yeah. mean, the the. I mean, I get it. We love the history. But do we really think any of these guys would be able to do what they did then and do it now? No, I, I think I don't no. think I, Johnny Unitas is maybe one of them. Well, that's the thing. There are there are a few. If you if you go through the history and you could do this with all sports, if you do it with, uh, you know, and baseball is the one that I have a tendency to go to mostly because it's the other sport I know the most. Baseball is one that I think translates across eras in a way that no other sport does. But even that. Guy, the greatest players in history would would be the greatest players in any era. I think that in, in baseball you can say exactly. that. I think in football it's a little less clear cut. If if Jim Brown, for for example, Jim Brown, who was maybe the greatest running back in the history of the NFL, and and some, I some and I would argue the greatest football player, and and that is and that is a fair argument. If you took Jim Brown and you and you took him out of his era and you put him in today's era, he would be just as successful today as he was when, when he when he was actually playing in the sixties, whatever fifties. Same with Barry Sanders. Same with Barry Sanders. Same with Jerry Rice. Absolutely. The, J- Johnny Unitas, John Elway, and 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 that's the point I want to get to here with John Elway. If you look at John Elway's accomplishments, and I think Dan Marino is a another one you could talk about here as well statistically if you put dan marino in this era he he'd end his career with 90,000 to 100,000 yards passing and five 500 and or six 750 touchdowns i mean that, that's that's how good he was at throwing the football john yeah, especially elway, with with the defensive rules now. exactly john elway if if you had put john elway on on a, a team today the the things that he could do as a quarterback that can't be touched, that's the other thing for John Elway. John Elway was a scrambling quarterback who could make things happen with people hanging all over him. You're not allowed to touch a quarterback anymore, and you're not allowed to touch the wide receiver. I mean, he would have ended his career with all the records, let alone the fact that he retired at the time of his retirement as the winningest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Then the rules change, and all of the stats go haywire, and you've got advances in in diet and health things and, and so so guys are playing longer of course he would have been he he has the ability to have been one of these great quarterbacks from today's era 
But the other the other problem with this list, and these lists are are, are difficult to to recognize. You don't want to have the recency bias. You don't want to just have guys from today. And you don't want to just have guys from 100 years ago because it's the NFL 100. They're celebrating 100 years of the NFL. And so you try and get different guys from different eras. But when it comes to the quarterback, it's it's clear cut. There is a top, there's a solid top 10 quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And John Elway is one of those quarterbacks. And in our opinion, he's at the top of that list. Is he going to be on this list? I think you're right to have a little bit of trepidation about that because I'm afraid he probably isn't. Hope I hope I hope when you're listening to this, I'm wrong. I do too, but I don't think we are. And that and that's which is why we have a tendency to shy away from talking about these lists. The other problem that I have with this list to go back to the boomer alert thing is all the people on the panel are boomers. There are no young people involved. Think of how different the list would be if it wasn't Bill Belichick and Chris Collinsworth, but it was Sean McVay and Tony Romo. Think of how much different the list might look. Well, I mean, you have people in the media who, uh, you know, who are huge John Elway fans. I, one of the things I've always loved about Dan Patrick, who, uh, you know, I've, his show has gotten a little bit uh, hokey, and I, and I think it's a little too uniform or formulated at this point, but his understanding of, of the game and whatnot. He's always said John Elway was the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. And, and he's right. He's, he's just right. And it's not just about what John Elway's numbers were when he retired. It was about what you saw. It was the eye test. And when you put tape of John Elway against anybody else's tape, he was the best player. And he is one of those guys who I think you could honestly say when he stepped onto a field, he knew he was the best player on the field no matter what. I, I I mean, I am of the opinion he's the greatest player in the history of the NFL. And I'm in agreement with that. So so there you go. So I'm, We didn't even argue, but we certainly got got all hot and bothered a little bit there. So, Which is exactly what those lists are meant to do. So we, we just we gave in, I guess. <laughs> That's what happens. All right, let's do a whip around the league. Let's go ahead and look at the games. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Uh, we so, probably look at some playoff scenarios. Correct. So we mentioned the Raiders playoff scenarios. They have to win, and then the Steelers have to lose, the Titans have to lose, and the Colts have to win. As we mentioned, we want all those things to happen except the Raiders winning. So the Broncos win, and all those other things happen because that would be the most Raiders way to end their time in Oakland. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh has to win, and Tennessee has to lose or tie, or Pittsburgh tie and a Tennessee loss or a Tennessee loss and an Indianapolis win and an Oakland loss or tie or Tennessee loses, Indianapolis wins, Pittsburgh loses. Oh, oh, here we go. This is the fourth one. So it's a little confusing. Tennessee loses and Indianapolis wins and Pittsburgh ties Oakland in strength of victory tiebreaker. So, and here's the final one. It's the most simplest of them all. Tennessee clinches a playoff berth with a win over the Texans. Which they could get. They could certainly get. I think I think they can because there there's some injury concerns with with the Texans. And since they're already locked in as the the AFC South winner, so they're locked in as the fourth seed. Then they're gonna be playing the Bills. They're already locked in, so this game really doesn't mean anything to them, despite what Bill O'Brien says about how it's the playoff game for them. It's not. So the, the, the Titans are there to to get the sixth seed, which would mean they would play the Chiefs if, and this isn't an if, when the Patriots beat the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I mean, do they even need to play that game? Interesting note about the Steelers game, they play the Ravens, and that normally would be a, a pretty exciting game to watch. But you've got what the Steelers are on like their ninth or twelfth quarterback. But the Ravens, Paxton Lynch is actually the backup quarterback. <laughs> Paxton, you might see Paxton Dev- Lynch. Is it Delvin Hodges? Delvin, is that is his it, name? Is it Delvin Devlin Duck? They call him Duck. Devlin. Nobody can say his yeah, real he's the name. Duck Hunter. Yeah, the Duck Hunter. So anyway, but Lamar Jackson is not playing in this game, and I have a feeling a lot of the uh, Ravens starters are going to be sitting. Because they've already wrapped everything up. First round by home field advantage. 
there's no reason to get anybody injured in this in this game. So it, it doesn't hurt to sit everybody down, and that helps the Steelers. So the Steelers might squeak out a win at the Ravens just by virtue of the fact that nobody is going to be really playing for the Ravens. I actually think Robert Griffin III is still the best quarterback on the field. So I think the Ravens will still end up winning. Yeah, no, I I, I don't disagree with that. I think Robert Griffin III, well, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's He's got a pretty good skill set, and it actually fits with the offense that they try and run in, in Baltimore anyway. So uh, I think that's maybe your best quarterback, backup quarterback situation in the NFL because of what they've done there. Uh, Eagles and Giants is interesting just because – is that do the Eagles wrap up the, the the playoff spot with that? Is that how is that how that works? They win the NFC East with a win, and we both wanted the Eagles to beat the Cowboys because we want to see a, a meltdown in Gerald World, and it's going to happen when the Eagles beat the Giants and the Cowboys are out of the playoffs. Yes, and that's that's all we can really hope for. I mean, the NFC is pretty well put together as far as. Seeding goes. That's really the last thing that needs to happen. Well, it, it it's still the 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 teams are set, but the right. seeding is still up in the air, and that it can go from that that Seahawks 49ers game is it's so huge. interesting because you can go you can go from being the one seed to the five seed in in just in just a matter of one game. Yeah, no, it's that's that's what I meant to say is that the seeding is up in the air, but the the teams are set. So. Uh, it, it is going to be an interesting one. And that's that's maybe the game of the week, which is obviously why it's the Sunday night game, because it does have the most playoff implications or the biggest impact on the playoffs. Uh, but but you do still have a couple other games that might be fun to watch. The Vikings play the Bears. Um, that's, you know, divisional uh, divisional matchup that uh, could be in- interesting for the Vikings, because if they win, it changes their seating a little, I think. Am I right about that? No, they're locked in as the six. Are seed. they? OK, good yeah. for them. Good. Good for them. That's that's good. Uh, the Chiefs of the NFC. Yeah, that's right. Good for the Chiefs of the NFC. That's great. Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, we haven't talked about AFC West. Chiefs and Chargers. Man, go Chargers, but whatever. Well, that game is it, when the Patriots beat the Dolphins, the Patriots lock in the two seed in the first round by, and the Chiefs are the three seed. And they would play a team that has already beaten them this year and beat them at home in the playoffs two years ago. The Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that that to me is. I, we were talking about circles, things coming full circle. That's that's a full circle one that I'd like to see. That would be that would be a fun one as well. So, uh, you know, it's the it's the last week of the regular season. We are uh, counting it down to to the off season for the Broncos, and and we're uh, we're in Raiders week. So here we are, Raider week. Uh, Broncos country's up for it, and this is. Uh, as far as endings to the season go, this could be a great one. Fuck the Raiders. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.